Hey. Hey. I, I think, I think uh, Ryan says something about uh, decisions that were made over uh, Easter and Friend Day. Yes? Okay. So here's the deal. I just want to be sure that you get how big a moment um, that is. Uh, so let me ask a question. H- how many know the average number of people who make a decision for Christ in the average church during a year? What, what's the average number of people who make a decision for Christ, decide to be a, a Christ follower in the average church per year? Anyone want to guess? Five? Lower? Two? Lower? One and a half? One and a half is the average number of people in the average church who decide to become Christ followers during the year. Okay, and here's another question. Out of that one and a half, okay, uh, what percentage of people uh, decide to become Christ followers after the age of 18? So, in other words, of all the decisions of people to say, look, I'm going to change my life, I'm going to decide to follow Christ now, what percentage of people do that after they've crossed the threshold of being 18? What percentage? 0.5. Less than 5%. Less than 5%. And you and I sat in two services the last two weeks and saw 273 people, 273 adults, yeah, decide to become Christ followers. So that's, that's an incredible moment, guys. Now, here's what I want to ask, okay? That happened because you and I invited our friends because we asked people to come to hear the story. So, I, how many people in this room, you invited someone? They may, they may or may not have come, but you invited someone to come be… Okay, so you realize you're the heroes, right? You're the heroes that made that possible. And then here's the other thing, guys, I want to say out loud. One of the reasons we were able to do what we were able to do the last two weeks, one of the reasons we were able to have a friend day, we haven't had a friend day in a long time. One of the reasons we're able to do Easter at the level that you and I just did Easter at is because you've been faithful in your giving. So I just want to say thank you for that because it reaps eternal rewards. It changes lives when you and I are faithful. So I just want to say give yourselves a hand. Thank you for being faithful and generous, and thank you for bringing your friends. It's a big, big, big deal. Okay, so here's, uh, here's the thing. Uh, we're starting a, a series on relationships uh, together. I hope when you came in that you got a card like this. So here's what we're going to start off. I'm going to give you homework. So here's the deal. The card on front says it's complicated, but on the back it says my five non-negotiables. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to go home today, spend a few minutes thinking about it, and say, what are my deal breakers? In other words, what are the five things that I say, look, uh, they either have to have or they cannot have? What are my five deal breakers before I would be in a relationship with somebody or not be in a relationship. And if they didn't have that, or if they did and they shouldn't, I wouldn't even date them, okay? What are the five non-negotiables? Now, here's the really, really cool thing. Um, I'm going to ask you to write this in pencil, because as we go over this series, I've got an idea they may change uh, during the course of this series. It'll be interesting to see where you and I land at the end of the series. But here's, here's something that ought to be fun for you. God is only going to ask for two of them. See, God's going to say, look, there's two non-negotiables I'm going to ask you to put on this thing. The other three are up to you. So you can, on the other three, you can put anything you want. So if your answer is, hey, he's got to look like Brad Pitt, it's okay. If that's one of your non-negotiables, it's okay. As long as you've got the first two right, you can put anything, you know, anything else you want uh, on the other three. So there you go. So here's the deal. Go home, do that, and then let's watch and see if this modifies at all as you and I have the discussion, Okay. 
Here we go. We're starting this series. We called it It's Complicated, because let's just be honest. It is complicated. I mean, there is so much information. There's so much misinformation. There's so many ideas about how you do this, and, and most people are doing this unsuccessfully. Relationships are struggling all over the place. This is hard, and if, if for no other reason, anytime you take a man and you take a woman and you stick them in the same room, uh, it's going to be complicated. So, this is, this is a vital thing for you and I to be talking about, but here's, here's what we're going to hopefully discover as we go along. Maybe, just maybe, it doesn't have to be as complicated as we've made it out to be. So here, we're thinking, Let, let's, let's say this is a bar graph. So this is, this is measuring how complicated it is to have a successful relationship in today's culture. And, and, and if that were, then you and I go, man, I am sinking. I mean, this is just way, 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 way over. I'm drowning at trying to figure out how do you have a good, healthy, successful relationship in today's culture. But what if? What if a huge part of why it's complicated is misinformation. What, what, if, what if a big factor in this that makes it so hard and causes us to stumble so drastically is bad information that you and I have received from our culture, that you and I are dating the way that everybody else around us dates? And what if, what if you and I could change the bar graph? What if you and I could take all the misinformation and all the bad dating ideas and remove them from the equation. Because at the end of the day, it would still be hard work. It'd still be a tough thing to land well. But what if it could be drastically less complicated than it is right now? Would we be interested in thinking about dating differently? Would we be interested in removing some of the misinformation that causes you and I to get into so much trouble in this thing called dating? So here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, we're just gonna go straight into that. We're gonna tackle that today. And here's what we're gonna discover, and hopefully by the end of our discussion today. That, you ready? That. How I date, how I date, and how successfully I land at the end of this relationship called marriage is going to be directly proportional to how successful I am at becoming selfless. Let me say this again, because this is totally counterintuitive to how you and I do relationships. That the success of my future marriage, the success of me having a lifelong relationship with somebody, in other words, getting to the end goal of dating, is going to be directly proportioned to how successful you and I are at becoming selfless while we're dating. That's an interesting thing, and here's why. Because culture tells us just the opposite. Culture says this, look, 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 you're dating. You're da and so here's the, go have fun, go do whatever you want to do, go manipulate whoever you want to manipulate, get whatever you need to get. Sow your wild oats while you've got a chance to sow your wild oats, because then you've got to strap on the ball and chain. And until you have to do that, just go crazy. On the, it's kind of like, like spring break, and then you get married. 
Here's the problem. If you and I date like it's spring break, if you and I go through this dating relationship saying, look, 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 right now it's just casual, and right now this is just about having fun and a good time and nothing serious, and look, I I just want to get from you what I can get from you, and you can get from me whatever you can get from me, and then when it's not working, we'll just break up and we'll go on our way, and then I'll find someone else to get what I want to get from someone else. And I'm just going to do that until... One day I get to the point where I go, all right, I, I've done enough, I've, I've had enough, and I've, I've messed around enough, and it's, it's time to get serious, and so I, I'm now going to start looking for the person. I'm, I'm going to start dating in, in a way that makes sense for a future relationship. And the problem is that if you and I date that way, you ready? Then you and I will be absolutely unprepared for what happens next because of how we dated up until then. Let, let me see. See, if you can, see if you can finish uh, this statement, okay? The best predictor of future behavior is what? Past behavior. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Okay? So if you date, like nothing matters, if you date in a way that says, look, this is all about me, this is just what I'm going to do, I'm just here to get whatever I can get from however you can get it. If you and I buy into the lie of selfish dating, then you and I will be absolutely unprepared for what happens next. Because, because, you ready for this? The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So imagine this. Imagine you got a friend, and in the entire time that you've known your friend, anytime they're in trouble, anytime they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar, they lie. I mean, they lie. It tumbles off their lips, and they're so good at it that, that you can't catch them in the lie. So every time they get in trouble, they lie. So now comes the moment. Their hand's in the cookie jar. And based on the fact that for the last seven years, every time they've gotten in trouble, they've lied. What's your best guess? Just wild guess of what they're going to do now. You got a friend. And whenever they drink too much, whenever they get drunk, they get mean. I mean mean. And in your entire friendship, whenever you guys have gone out together, when you spend time, you can, you can mark it. I mean, the minute they get just a little bit sauced, the minute they, they kind of get to that point of being a little bit, they turn mean. And so now you're sitting and you're all out and you're hanging out together and they're ordering the next and the next. And, and you watch them crossing the line. What, just, just, what's your best guess that's going to happen next? Because, 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 you ready? The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Ladies, you're, you're dating a guy, and all through your relationship, he cheats on you. But now you're going to get married, and he's going to change. <laughs> and you just don't understand, you don't understand why your friends keep coming up to you and going, look, look, don't do it. And you go, no, 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 no. I know, I know, I know he's cheated on me 17 times, but we're going to get married, and he'll be different. And your friends say to you, no, 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 because the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior.
All right, maybe, maybe this helps. I want you to imagine that you, you go down to the store, you, you buy a puppy, and you make a decision, this is going to be an outdoor dog. So you bring your dog home, and sure, you, know, you, you put a bowl of water out there, you put a bowl of food out there, and you stick the dog in the backyard. Now here's the cool part about being a backyard dog. If you're a backyard dog, you can poop wherever you want to poop. You can pee wherever you want to pee. Truth is, you can chew on whatever you want to chew on. So for seven years, for seven years, you have a backyard dog. And then one day, you mystically say, you know what? I think we're going to make Toby an indoor dog. We're just going to bring him in. So sure enough, the next day, you walk out and you say, Toby, guess what? Today, you're an indoor dog. And you bring Toby into the house, and you leave for work. You come back at 5 o'clock. Anybody want to guess what you find? Toby has pooped wherever he wanted to poop, and he has peed wherever he's wanted to pee, and he's chewed whatever he wanted. Why, 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 why? Because the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So let me ask you a question. How come you're dating outdoor dogs? Maybe, 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 a better question is, how come some of you are outdoor dogs? Because, because, here, you guys, yeah. That how you date is who you will become. And the best predictor of how you're going to behave in marriage is how you behave in dating. And if you spend the next six years, seven years, whatever your dating career is, 20 years, behaving like an outdoor dog, and then you're going to magically get married and become an indoor dog? Okay. Here's what happens. He's dating. She's dating. Now, listen, they're just selfish. They're just selfish. They would say, look, look, here's the deal. I'm in this for whatever I can get from you. And she's in it for whatever she can get from him. And the reality is, it's a relationship built on me, 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 my. And that's the relationship. And and, and the understanding is simply this. Look, there's nothing serious going on. We're we're not heading toward you. This is just fun. This is just messing around. This is just spring break. Until, you know, we, we get someplace serious in our lives. But you realize, that here's the problem. Every part of that arrangement is selfish. And here's the problem with selfish. Selfish is living, and selfish is alive, and selfish takes root. And you spend six, seven, eight, whatever your dating career is, Dating selfishly, it will grow. See, you'll you'll become really good at selfish. Matter of fact, you'll you'll end up lettering in selfish. You'll you'll be an eight, nine, ten year letterman in selfish. 
And then here's what we think. You ready for this? I'm going to marry her. I'm going to marry him. So here's what we're going to do. See, she's going to put on a white dress. He's going to put on a tux. And magically, all the selfish goes away. How many of you guys know how every fairy tale ends? And they lived. So here's the deal. We're just going to be selfish boogerheads through our entire, we're going to be outdoor dogs. And then we're going to all of a sudden come, we're going to go, you know what, I think I want something more. Yeah, I think I want something more. And now two outdoor dogs are going to marry each other, and suddenly, suddenly because she put on a dress and he put on a coat, we're going to be selfless. And here's what you need to know. Getting married does not fix your problems. It magnifies them. Okay, right now in this moment, every married person in the room is going, oh. Why didn't they tell me that? See, here's what you thought. You thought, hey, what getting married means it's going to take whatever was the best of our dating relationship, and that's what it's going to be all the time when we're married. No, it's not. It's going to be the worst of your dating relationship all the time. Here's why it gets worse. Sorry about that, ma'am. All right. When you get married, he gets to stop trying so hard. When you get married, she gets to stop pretending so much because they caught you. And so you ready? Self-control goes down and the stakes go up because here's the deal. If you win that argument, if you get your way in that thing, this could be the rest of my life living with that. So there is no way now that we're married, I'm letting you win. So self-control goes down, stakes go up, and I'm telling you, you put two selfish people into a relationship, and when they get married, the S's become like Superman size. Take two people like that, and now we're going to decide how many kids to have. And she wants five, and he wants none. What do you think that looks like? We're going we're gonna to decide how to manage money. And she spends like crazy. Matter of fact, her motto is, look how much money I saved you by buying everything. Because it was on sale. And he is a tightwad. What do you think that looks like between two selfish people? We're going to decide where to live. And, and she likes living in the country, and he likes living in the city. 
We're going to talk about sex between two selfish people. And here's, here's what you guys got to get. This is absolutely ugly. And here's the crazy part. They sowed the seeds of their own destruction in dating each other. Because, 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 look, 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 this is just all about what I can get from you and you can get from me. And they dated selfishly and believed that somehow mystically and magically that putting on a pair of clothes would make them selfless. And their very dating practice, selfish dating, sowed the seeds of their future destruction. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles, go with me really, really quick to the book of Proverbs. And if you're not real familiar with where Proverbs is, it's somewhere in the center of your Bible. If you open up the Bible in the middle, you probably find the book of Jobs. Some of you would need to stay there. <laughs> Psalms and then Proverbs will be right after that. Proverbs chapter 18, here's what it says. An unfriendly man, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1, an unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. So think about this. Here's what it says. Look, look, look. You meet somebody who's quarrelsome. You meet somebody who's arguing all the time. You meet somebody who fights and fights and fights and fights. Chances are they are selfish at their core. He defies all sound judgment. See, there's nothing you can tell a selfish person because here's the deal. I want what I want, what I want, and what I want, and I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I want what I want. And guys, if you and I letter in selfishness while we're dating, if you and I date like everybody else in this world dates, and it's just about what I can get from you and what you can give to me and you realize you literally teach yourself, you actually groom yourself to destroy your own relationship when you finally get married. So you say, well, Lynn, you know, what, what, how, what do you do differently than this? And how do you, how do you fix this? And here, I'm just going to say this out loud. I'm just going to warn you right now. What we're about to say to each other, you're going to go, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because here's what I'm going to ask you to consider doing. I'm going to ask you to consider dating for five or six or seven years the way God would have you date in order to set yourself up to be successful for 50 years of being with somebody. But that means the five or six or seven or eight years has work. You can't just cruise through it. You're going to have to invest yourself in it. And ready? And you're going to have to invest yourself in becoming selfless instead of selfish. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. It's going to be a little bit to the right in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How, how many know what this passage is? It's the love chapter. Matter of fact, we read this at all the weddings. We don't listen to it, but we read it at every wedding. Matter of fact, most of you in here, if you got married, they probably read this passage at your wedding. All of you that are going to get married, they're probably going to read this passage at your wedding. Now, it doesn't help because the bride and the groom never listen when we read this passage. See, the, the, the bride's sitting there going, did the flower girl drop enough flowers? 
does she straighten my dress the way it's... The groom's just sitting there going, tell me the reception short, tell me the reception short, tell me the reception. <laughs> so no one's listening. First Corinthians chapter 13. Now, let me give you some nuggets before we get in there, okay? You marry who you date. Let me just say that again. You marry who you date. And this is so critical for some of the gals in the room. Because here's what you do, gals. He asks you out. And you know, you know when he, he's not the right guy. But nobody else is asking. So you think to yourself, oh well. You marry who you date. And ladies, you need to hear me say, it is absolutely possible to fall in love with the wrong guy. And you decide to go ahead and date whoever's, you date the guy with the big S on his chest for selfish. Chances are you'll marry him because you marry who you date. And then, ready? Okay, second one. You become how you date. So if you decide to have a dating career that's all about you and all about selfishness and all about what I can get from you and can I manipulate you into giving me, and, and if you don't do what I want you to do, then we're breaking. If, if you date selfishly, you will become selfish. And here's the answer. The answer is this, unselfish dating that you and I would spend whatever time that is in our singleness setting ourselves up to be the person we need to be when we put on the dress and put on the coat. That we would come to that moment selfless. Okay, so here it is. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's what we read at every single wedding. Because, 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 you ready for this? It's all about loving the person you're marrying more than you love yourself. It's about saying, look, here's the deal. I'm willing to take my needs and what I want, and I'm willing to let those be number two within the relationship because I love you more than I love me, which means there's absolutely nothing about that that is selfish. And I know some of you are going, ah! No, that's, that's terrifying. Are you kidding me? I'm going I'm to go into a man and be self Absolutely, because here, here's what you need to get. This doesn't work. And two people who are selfish go into a man, that is going to be heck all the time. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. This doesn't work. Because he is going to run over her, run over her, run, because she's being selfless, and he's being selfish, and that is ugly. And I will just tell you that 70% of the marriage counseling we do is that. That? Two selfless people, two people saying, look, I love you more than I love myself. I love you more. Two selfless people in a relationship? That's amazing. That's, that's what you and I always, always hoped it could be. And yet we date selfish people selfishly and then hope for this. 
and you and I have got to stop that because the fairy tale doesn't end happily ever after. It ends with, you marry who you marry. And so you and I have got to begin to practice selfless dating. So here it is. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me just go through it. Look, here's the deal. I cannot unpack this whole, it takes us a whole series to unpack this, but let me just, let's, let's go through, and then I'm going to hit some high points. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. Here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Now, again, here we go. Let's just a couple of high points. Okay, back to verse 4. Love is patient. I was just testing you for a second there. I... Love doesn't push to get its own way. Love isn't going, come on, come on, come on, come on. Matter of fact, you ready for this? Love actually creates margin for the other person. Love actually gives time to the other person. Love is kind. It's a weird word because you and I don't use kind. Maybe another compassionate, considerate. Love always considers how is this going to affect the other person? Will this wound their hearts? Will this hurt them in any way? Love always considers the other first, which means, you ready for this? That when you and I disagree, I am not going to pull out weapons in order to win. I'm not going to say the hurtful thing that I know I could say that would so deeply wound you so that you'll shut up. Because I will always consider you. And I'm not going to fight to win. I'm going to fight to fix can I tell you that I think one of the most powerful things you can do in your dating relationship is figure out how the other person fights when they don't like it and they're not getting their own way. In that moment, are they considerate of you or do they wound you to win? We, we've got this gal on our staff, and I'm just, she is a go-getter. I mean, she is a strong, strong woman. And that's one of the reasons we hired her, because, boy, you give her an assignment, whew, it's going to get done. She married a guy, really, really strong, opinionated guy. This guy's got an idea about everything. And some of us are going to go, man, my marriage advice for that couple, don't get married. And it's interesting because I was talking to her. We were getting ready for this uh, series. And uh, she said, you know, every once in a while, my husband and I, you know, we get going. We're Going back, she said, but here's, here's something really interesting. I usually end up being the one who offers the olive branch to him. She said, you know something remarkable I've learned? Is that almost every time I do, he comes back and he says to me, you know, if it was that important to you, I think we ought to do it your way. And I said, that's because your husband is selfless. 
He loves you more than He loves Himself. And in that moment, think about this, two very powerful, high-push people, and one was selfless enough to offer the olive branch, and the other, the husband was selfless enough in receiving it to say, if that's important to your heart, I think we ought to do it your way. See, I'm just telling you, this is what you and I always hoped it could be when we're selfless. Does not envy. This is, this is interesting, and you just need to know, tons of marriages have blown up over this, and yet most of us go, I'm not, I don't envy. This is the guy whose wife's career begins to take off, and his not so much. She's, she's more outgoing and more friendly, and so she gets all the attention when you're out, and you end up kind of sitting in the corner a little bit. And guys, if you and I aren't careful, see, here's the thing. We, we feel so badly about ourselves that we can't afford for anybody else to feel good about themselves. So we got to find some way to one-up them, some way to upstage them, some way just to kind of get to the upper rung instead of letting them have their moment of glory. This is being out at the restaurant, and suddenly your spouse says, hey, uh, I was out fishing. I caught a three-pound bass the other day. And in that moment, you don't go, oh, yeah? My brother's on the fishing channel. <laughs> no, no, no. Instead, you celebrate. You go, three pounds, three pounds. Man, let me feel those muscles. Wow. You're the man. Hey, guys, the, the first 15 years of Lisa's and my marriage, she made more money than me. I was in ministry. She had to, or we weren't going to eat. <laughs> you guys, I'm just saying, when you are, so, their success becomes your joy, and you aren't competing for the top rung or the spotlight with your spouse. Is not proud. Guys, some of us in this room, we can't remember the last time we didn't walk in a room thinking we were the smartest person in the room. And why didn't everybody else know it? Some of us can't remember the last time we just said, you know what, I, I think I was wrong. Some of us in this room, you can't work for a supervisor because there's no supervisor smart enough to lead you. And I'm just going to say this out loud. You know what your problem is? You're prideful. And prideful has nothing to do with you being smart. It has everything to do with you being selfish. And some of us grew up in homes, and our dad, our dad could not admit he was wrong to save his life. He was right about everything, and doubly so when he was wrong. Some of us grew up with moms, and I'm just telling you, she had to be the best at the best of the best of the best, even if she had to pretend to be because she was so filled with pride. Has nothing to do with love. Has everything to do with being horribly selfish. And then it goes on and it says, is not rude. This is really an unfortunate translation because the word here is actually is not dishonoring. And what the Bible translators at the time thought was, well, you know, if I dishonor you, then I'm being rude to you. 
It's not what was being written about. It's not that I won't be dishonoring to you, it's I will not be dishonoring with you. Which means, which means, which means. I will not do anything to dishonor you, to disgrace you. I will not put any pressure on your life to do something with you that is disrespectful and may end up being one of your biggest regrets. Which means, ladies, ladies, I'm just… When he says to you, if you love me, you will show me, that has absolutely nothing to do with love. Because if he loved you, he would not dishonor you. has everything to do with being selfish. Guys, I don't care if she offers. If you love her, you would say, look, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do anything with you while we're dating that might potentially end up being part of your future regret. And I love you too much to take you until we're married because that would be selfish of me. We finished the first service, and a guy came up afterwards, and he said, Lynn, I just got to tell you the story. He says, I remember I was dating my wife, and uh, we, man, it, things were going, and it was, it was great, and we were moving forward, and there was this one day, and we were together, and we kind of started a tickling contest. And in the middle of tickling, things began to happen. You know what I'm saying? That's what he said. He said, yeah. And, uh, and he said, in that moment, I had to make a decision because I knew, I knew exactly where I was headed. I, I knew where this could go in the next moment. And I also knew that she cared about me enough. I think I could have coerced her. And he said, all of a sudden, I stopped. And she goes, what's wrong with you? He goes, nothing. She goes, no, what's wrong with you? He goes, nothing. He goes, no, no, why aren't we tickling some more? And he goes, Okay, and so then they ended up with a really awkward conversation about him saying, look, I'm, I'm beginning to think things and want things I shouldn't be thinking and wanting right now. It's interesting because they're married now, and she tells that story over and over and over and over again to her friends to say, on that day, I knew I had met a man of honor, and I'd met a man who loved me because I will not, I will not dishonor you or be part of your greatest regret. Anything else would be selfish. And then, and then, just in case you and I aren't getting it, and just in case you and I are missing the whole point, he goes on, you ready? And it is not easily angered and keeps no record of uh, wrong, oh, back to verse 5, is not rude and is not, you ready, next phrase, is not self-seeking. There is nothing about love that is selfish. So here, here's the deal. You, you, and, you and I could have two reactions right now to this. Uh, you, you, some of us could say, all right, here's the deal. I'm, I'm a totally committed Christ follower, and I get this. I mean, this makes sense to me, and, and I've been dating selfishly, and if I keep this up, I'm, I'm going go, to go into a relationship. 
As a, I mean, I will have literally laid the seeds of my own district. So here's the deal. I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to do this because that's what Scripture says, and I'm pretty sure that whenever God says something, he's usually smarter than me. So I'm going to do that. There's some of us in this room who are going, dude, wait, 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 wait. Can I just be honest? If I were to start dating that way, if I were to start to be like patient with the person I was dating, and if, if I was like going to not envy them, and, and I was going to be considerate, that would be like boring. I mean, imagine this date. You know, you go to pick her up, and she's, wait, she's late, and you go, oh, okay. And then, and then uh, you get to the door, and, and you open the door, and you go, you first, no, you first, oh, no, you first. And, 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 and then, you know, she tells her story, and I go, oh, good for you. <laughs> we get to the door at the end of the night, and I'm going, no, I'm waiting for marriage. That's boring. And the truth is, there's some of us in this room, and the tr- you're, you're far from God right now, and so you just go, look, I, I just don't think God makes... I, <laughs> There's some of us in the room, and, and you don't even know God. You don't have a relationship with God. So this just sounds kind of weird and out there and kind of crazy. Okay? Okay? Let me see if I can help you with this. That despite the fact, whether or not God asked you to do it or not, that it just makes sense. How many people in the room say, hey, my parents got divorced? Come on. Come on. How many in the room say, I've had someone close to me get divorced? Okay. So let me ask you this question. What if? What if that couple, your parents, those friends, what if they had dated in such a way that before they ever got married, they had learned how to be patient in their marriage? Would that have changed anything? in that couple that got divorced? What, what, if, what, if, what, if, what if they had decided to date on something? What if they had said, look, I'm, I'm just, this is not about me. This is about finding someone that I love more than me. And what if, what if in that they had learned to set aside pride and instead of having to always be right and the other one always be wrong, would that have changed anything? And what if, what, what if in the midst of them dating, they said, look, listen, this is not about me one-upping you and always having to be in the first place and outshine you and you always have to live in my shadow. Is there a possibility things would have turned out different? And what if, what if as God asks you and I to stop dating selfishly and says, no, this is learn about, learn about learning to be selfless. What if at the end of the day, this isn't about God being a killjoy or trying to take your fun away? What if, what if, what if, what if? What if this is God setting you and me up for success? What, what if the chances of success of my marriage are in direct proportion to my success at being selfless, then God would be helping. Let's pray. So here's what I'm just going to ask you to do. I'm just going to ask you to take a moment and do some real, real honest self-reflection. How do you date? 
selfish dater, selfless dater? Who do you date? You date people that just look, hey, I'm here for the fun, and I'm just, I'm just messing around until I'm not messing around, and I'm, it's just about me getting what I need to get, and you can get what you need to get. And... <laughs> you realize it's possible that you and I are sowing the seeds. that will one day cause our marriages to fail and the relationships we were hoping would be successful to fall apart by selfish dating. And some of us in this room just need to say, look, enough's enough. This is about finding that person that I love more than myself and selfishness has no part in this. It may mean for some of us to put on that card and say, look, I, I just have no interest in dating selfish, spring-berry people anymore. And I'm not going to be one either so that someone can date me. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we just simply come before you in this moment and God, we're just trying to wipe away some of the things that culture tells us that in the end will destroy us. In the end, we'll mess up our relationships and fill our lives with regret and I wish and if only I hadn't. And God, I'm just going to ask that across this room that you would have single people who just simply resolve to say, I am going to begin selfless dating. I'm going to begin treating the person that I'm dating as if they were my spouse, and I'm going to selflessly put them ahead of me. I'll be considerate and kind, and I will not envy, and I will not fill this relationship with pride. There's some of our married couples here who today would just say, this is, this is what's been plaguing us. We dated so horribly. We brought two deeply selfish people into a marriage, and it is showing up all over the place. And the answer is for one of us to have the courage to make the first move at being selfless. Dear God, give us the courage to do what we need to do next. In your precious name, amen.